Well, last Sunday we had the opportunity to be together uh, both online and actually we did a creative thing. We had an online, we had a parking lot service for those who wanted to drive in and we did some creative things, just connecting people in that way, uh, staying in touch without touching. And, and on this Mother's Day, this Ladies' Day, we had the opportunity to, to celebrate uh, not only the living God, but also each family as they gathered together. But you think about that, to, to pull off a Mother's Day, uh, you got to be prepared. And hopefully uh, last Sunday, you had some preparations where you uh, were prepared to celebrate the ladies in your home or the ladies in your life, but particularly uh, the mothers that brought you into this world. And I had the opportunity to be with my four adult children, and they, uh, they did a great job spoiling their mother, and uh, she was really celebrated and appreciated. And, and I always think about those days when we get together. In fact, uh, as I wrote a card to my wife, Alice, the mother of my children, I wrote these words, uh, that as we think about our children, and we're so blessed to have great children, uh, that uh, all the good qualities in their life came from you, and all the bad qualities in life came from me. Now, I've actually said this to my children in public, and it's interesting. My, my, my kids were raised to, to uh, listen to me, but also they could always disagree with me. And when I, when I make that statement that they got all their good qualities from their mother and all their bad qualities from me, they never disagree with that. I don't understand. In fact, they've also said this at times. They said that on their bad days, they act like me, and on their good days, they act like their mom. But you know, when you think about parents, uh, whether it's the mother or the father, our really challenge is to prepare our children to grow up and to be adults, to to be responsible people, and hopefully from a spiritual perspective, follow the the one and only true God and and have a relationship with Him that's lived out throughout their lives. But you think about preparation, we we all need to be prepared for what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future. And really, we're in that place in the book of Exodus where really the question is, uh, are you prepared? And that's the question I want you to be able to answer this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, whatever day you're watching this. Uh, Are you prepared? And and when you think about that, there's really only two answers. The answer is yes, or the answer no. And and that was true of of God's people in that day, in which they were about to be brought into a circumstance in which they were not feeling they were adequately prepared for, but God was going to prepare them uh, to trust him. So let's pick up the account in Exodus chapter 14 as we see God bringing them to a place in which they needed to be prepared and to trust the one who could prepare them. And really what I want to do this, this morning, I just want to very simply answer three questions. Uh, three questions. When you think about it, when we're needing to be prepared for something, we have to ask ourselves, what do we need to be prepared for? And I guess you could put it this way, well, what's the problem? And then after we define the problem, then we have to ask ourselves the question, well, what's the plan? How am I going to deal with the problem? And then thirdly, I guess you could say, well, what's the purpose? Is it really important enough to, to prepare to deal with the problem and have a plan? And then What's the result of having a purpose to, to live it out in such a way that makes a difference? And we're going to see that uh, this morning in Exodus, beginning at Exodus chapter 14. And I, and I encourage you to, to have a Bible when you, when you hear someone speak, if they're speaking out of the Bible, so you can look at the text as well as maybe underline or circle some key words in the text. So look at, let's look at what's the problem. And we're going to read this chapter, uh, glean just some straightforward truths that really can apply to our lives. In Exodus chapter 14, it begins this way in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
And the word now is a time frame word which speaks about what had just had happened. And what God had happened is God was telling them to keep it real, that he was going to lead them out of Egypt. And then he was going to lead them in very specific ways. He was going to have a cloud of, uh, in the day uh, that would lead them during the day and a pillar of cloud and then a pillar of fire at night to, to point them which way to go. Uh, but it wasn't going to be easy. In fact, he surprised them because he sent them out a different way. And, and maybe that happens in your life. The way you thought you were going to go is not the way you're actually going. Maybe circumstances out of your control, like we're experiencing now in our world, the whole world with the COVID-19, you're going on a path you would never have anticipated uh, the one you're now in. And as he was sending them out of Egypt, if you remember that, he, he did not take them the short way. He didn't give them a shortcut. In fact, he was going to lead them the long way. Now, they accepted that, and they started going the long way, but after they were going the long way, uh, they encountered something that they wished they had gone the short way. Uh, Let's look on as we read the text. Now, the sons of Israel, the sons of Israel, to uh, uh, to turn back and camp before, he told the sons of Israel, tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before some unpronounceable words. Pithelthoroth, between Migdol and the sea, you shall camp in front of the Baal Zephon, opposite of it by the sea. And actually, he told them, you're going to have to turn back. So just think about it for a moment. You're going to go the long way. You're not taking the shortcut. As you go the long way, after you go that long way, you have to take a few steps back. And there's nothing more frustrating than having a long trip and realize you went down the wrong path and you have to turn around and start all over again. Well, in a sense, he had brought them down that direction, and he said, now I want you to go back a ways, and I want you to camp at at a sea. And I want you to understand that when you think about seas, the Bible sometimes uses the word sea, in which we would use the word lake. If If you go to Israel, you have the Sea of Galilee. Well, it's not like an ocean. It's really a lake, a fairly large lake in the land of Israel. And so he was sending him back to a sea, and what we're going to look at is a sea that's often called the Red Sea, but it's really probably the Sea of Reeds, but it wasn't some simple body of water. It was a lake, probably a lake in which it was significant, but it was a marshy land. And when they got there, it says in verse 3, for Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in, which is often interesting. Sometimes when people look at Christians and trying to describe whether they want to go down their path, they're thinking, why would I live like them? They don't seem to have a whole lot of direction. There are things that go wrong in their lives. They are not immune to difficulties and challenges, and they seem like they don't always have their act together. Well, that's how Pharaoh saw the people he had let go. He says, they don't know what they're doing. They're walking aimlessly in the desert. And then verse 4 goes on and says this, Thus I will harden, this is God speaking to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will chase after them, which is God's people, the people of Israel, the Israelites. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Now, again, you have that theme, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, but the reality is that heart was already hard, and God allowed it to go in the direction it was headed and become more and more hard. There's a passage in Romans chapter 1 which speaks about in the New Testament that, that when we go down a certain path, there comes a place in our life where God just takes his hands off and we go down that path 
in which is a path of destruction in which will destroy our lives, which is, which is really what sin is all about. And, and, and our hearts become more and more hardened. And a hardened heart before God is one that becomes stubborn and will not listen. And when God shows a light, we turn away. Well, the account goes on as we think about what's this problem they're going to have to deal with in verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done? What have we let go as far as Israel from serving us? And really what you have here is that as you think about the story of Exodus, you had, you had God appointing a man to lead his people away to the way out, and he went to make a deal with, with Pharaoh. In fact, he was telling Pharaoh what Pharaoh ought to do. And as, as Moses went to Pharaoh and let's make this deal, the initial response of Pharaoh was no deal. I'm, I'm the one in charge. I'm not going to have somebody you think is more powerful than me telling me what to do. So it was a, a no deal. But then the plagues of judgment, which showed the powerful hand of God, again, the whole point of, of convincing people who is the one and only true God, uh, it came to a point where Pharaoh said, okay, it was no deal, but how about, uh, how about let's, uh, let's make a deal? And, and what he wanted to do is he wanted to negotiate. He wanted to negotiate with, with, with Moses and say, how about if I just let you go a certain way, or, or you can only bring some of your people? Well, you don't, you don't, you don't negotiate with God. You don't make bargains with God. Either you're all in or you're not all in. And so it went from no deal to let's make a deal to later on after the 10 plagues, it was, can you give me a deal? Uh, Pharaoh, amazingly, as he let Israel go, he said, well, will you bless me before you leave? Before you leave? But now we're at that part of the story where it's, it's not uh, no deal, let's make a deal, give me a deal. It's, this is a bad deal. It wasn't just Pharaoh, it was all the rest of the people in Egypt because they say, look, at our labor force is gone. You know, who's going who's gonna to mow my lawn? Who's going who's gonna to make me my food? Who's going to build the pyramids? Who's going to do all the work I don't want to do? They said, we, we got to get them back. They're, they're, they're part of our economical backbone. They're the ones who serve us and allows us to prosper. And so the response of Pharaoh and his people is that they went after them. And in verse 6, it says this, So he made his chariot ready, this is Pharaoh, and let his people, and took his people with him. Verse 7, And he took 600 select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. So basically, the chariots, and there was no chariots in the land of, of Israel when they took off uh, to the promised land. And basically what Pharaoh says, look, we're going we're gonna to bring out... Uh, uh, we're going to give out, we're going to give out, we're going to send out our, our, um, our I can't even think of the word. What, what he's going to send out, he, he's going to, we're going to send out our tanks. We're, we're just going to, we're just going to destroy them enough where they, they're begging us to bring them back. And so the, in verse 8 it goes on, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. So when Israel first left, they had all the confidence in God that you could imagine because God had showed himself powerful. And maybe that's where your experience is with God right now. You look back and say, I remember the good times where God really showed up. But now maybe you're in a period of your life where you're saying, I don't see God showing up. And we're going to see how quickly it changed from them to go out boldly. And it means that really they went out with a strong 
arm raised up in, in all kinds of confidence. And verse 9 says, Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. And they overtook them camping by the sea before Pihathroth in front of Baal Zephron. And so now, if you, if you capture the picture, they were heading in a certain direction. God said, now I want you to turn back a little bit. And what God had done purposely had put him in a corner. They had the sea on one side, and they had on the other side the army of Pharaoh. And when you think about that, here's the problem. Now, this was a physical problem, but in, in some ways, what we need to realize is that it was, it was more than just a physical problem. What had happened here, and we'll see another point that they had to wrestle with, is that they had some people who wanted to bring them back to where they used to be. And sometimes that's what happens in our life. The old life wants me back. All the Egyptians wanted to bring back Israel to bondage and slavery because it was better for them. And maybe as you think about your own spiritual life, you have some people in your life, they want to bring you back to your old life. Uh, there's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians, the New Testament, which says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Don't be, dece- don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Your bad company corrupts good morals. And maybe the problem you're in right now is, is, is you're struggling with walking with God, following God. And we talked about that last week, obeying God, trusting Him, loving Him, obeying Him. You got people in your life who are saying, don't, don't, don't go down that path. What, what has it done for you? Your life is, is worse off now than it was before. I, 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 want, you, I want you back in, in, our, in my life. I want you to be doing the things I'm doing. And really what you need to do in life is, is in terms of the problem, sometimes you have, to, you have to ask yourself the question, am I influencing people or are people influencing me? Which direction are people trying to bring me down? Is it this the direction of my life I really want to go down? Is it, this is really what's best, or is it just simply what they want me to do? The old life wants us back. But you know what was even a bigger problem is not only does our old life want us back, but sometimes I want my old life back. Look at verses 11, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh uh, drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were, were marching after them, and they became very frightened. It's interesting. This, this, this word for frightened, fear, in verse 10 of chapter 14, it's going to be the same word we're going to see in the last verse in this chapter. You know, if fear is something that everyone experiences, no matter where you are in, in your journey with God, whether you're close to Him, far from Him, or never knew Him, we all experience times where we experience being fearful. The issue is not whether you have the feelings of fear, it's what do you let those feelings do, for, do with you. They were not only fearful, they were very fearful. And, and it goes on and says this, And the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, cried out to the Lord often is an expression related to prayer, but what they did here, they didn't just cry out to the Lord, they complained to the Lord. And not only did they complain to the Lord, they complained to the one who was leading them in the Lord. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What are they saying here? We want to go back to Egypt. At least, at least there we knew where we might be buried rather than just in the sand out in this wilderness, this desert. And really, let's be honest, the 
The Egyptians knew how to bury people. That's what the pyramids were. Of course, only the Pharaoh got to be buried in them. But they were saying, well, we want to go back there. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? And really the word serve there is that we could be a slave to the Egyptians. And maybe, maybe there are people in your life where, let's be honest, you just want them to leave you alone. And why do you want them to leave you alone? Because you want to go back to the things you want to do in life. Or, or, or you want to run from your fears rather than to deal with your fears. And, and so they, they were talking trash here. They were talking trash to Moses. They said, you just should have left us alone. We, we, we'd rather go back where we, we think it was better than where we are right now. In fact, that's exactly what he says in verse 12. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. I guess we all got to decide in our life is uh, what do we want to do in our life? What do we want to do with our life? Who do we want to lead our life? And and as they were going through this experience in the desert, going down the, the long trip that God had placed them on, they said, I want to go back to Egypt. Uh, they want us back. They sent out the armies of Egypt to send us back. And they're, they're going to rough us up a little bit, but they want some of us to come back and to serve them. And we have people in our life that want us to go back to our old life. Hey, and then some of us have uh, come to that place where we're honest with ourselves. We want to go back to the old life. We've heard that the life of God is awesome, but it's not always easy, and there's some things that, that we don't like about this life. And so as, if we think about being prepared, are you prepared for whatever happens in life? And, and who do you want to be the one who leads your life? This was the issue with the people of God, the people of Israel, as they were rescued by God, and now they were having second thoughts. And maybe that's where you're at today. Where are you in your relationship with God? Are you, are you one who knows him? Are you one who is more filled with doubt than, than faith? Are you one who uh, is longing for the old days, the good old days? And let's be honest, the the good old days were never as good as we thought they were. But sometimes we long for them. That was the problem. And it was a real fear because the army of Pharaoh was right upon them. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem is, is, uh, do we want to go back to the old life? Do we want to follow maybe some friends of the past and go back to where they're living? Or do we feel that God has a better plan? Well, what is that plan? What's the plan? Let's look at it in verses 13 uh, through 19 or 20. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Actually, you could preach a whole message just on on this one verse in the text, maybe the next two verses, 13 and 14. And he says, look, don't be afraid. Let's put it this way. Don't be scared. Don't let your fears control you. Now, we're going to be fearful, but we don't have to let the feelings of fear guide us. There's another option. We can not live by feelings, but we can live by faith, trusting that God is is good. In the midst of life not always being good, that God is good, and we we can not be scared about the circumstances around us. So he says, do not not fear. And then it goes on and says this, stand by. 
Some translations put it this way, stand firm, hold your ground, hold the line. If you've ever played football or watched football, you know that really the successful teams, uh, whether it be the NFL, the college ranks, or the high school ranks, or just out on the playground, uh, it's not always the skilled positions that really determine who wins, it's who's on the line. Because the offensive line, they have one goal is don't let those who are trying to attack your quarterback or running backs or whatever it might be, they've got to, they've got to stand firm so the play can be run out. And, and really, when we think about uh, when we're in situations that we are, we are beyond our, our own capacity to, to handle, God says, look it, don't, don't think that you have to come up with the answer. Just stand firm. Just trust me in the midst of what you're going through. Don't be scared. Don't be controlled by your fears. And just dig in, hold the line, and stand firm. And then he goes on in verse 13 and says this, And see the salvation. Some translations say, See the deliverance of the Lord. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. So we need to not be scared. We need to stand firm and we also need to recognize that we ought to look and see what God does and will do. And really, that's, that's really at the heart of what it means to, to be prepared for whatever happens next, is that you're, you're looking for what God will do. Look, we're living, we're living in a world now that everyone has the, the right answer for the COVID-19. Everyone has the right answer about how we ought to change everything we ought to do, and, and I don't know about you, but I get tired of hearing everybody else's response. Now, there's some things that we can do to control our circumstances, but, but really, I think in this situation, we just have to trust that God's going to work it out. Do our part, but trust him. They were in a situation, there was really nothing they could do. They could not fight this enemy. But if they trusted God, God would go before them, and they would be delivered. So as we think about being prepared for whatever happens next, we're talking about the big issues in life. Don't be scared. Stand firm. And look and see what God does. And then finally, it's interesting, he he goes on in this whole text, verse 14, and he describes this one. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Some translations say when you keep still. You ever been in that situation you know, with, with your kids and they're, you're trying to help them out and all kinds of things and they, they just won't listen? You say, just, just be still. Chill out. Or sometimes just be quiet and listen to me. There's a great passage in Psalm 46, verse 10. says this, be still and know that I am God. In the midst of whatever you're going through right now, sometimes the best thing you can do is just be quiet. Lend an ear to God. Listen. You know, it's, it, it's hard to hear from people when you're always talking. When you, you're always looking for your own solutions, you can't receive any help from anybody else. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just be still, just be silent, and listen to God. And that's exactly how God came through for them. God begins to speak to Moses uh, again, and he, and he says to Moses in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. You don't have to go backwards, go forward. 
I, I, you're right at the place I want you to be, trusting in the goodness and the sovereignty of God. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go, shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. And we're going to look at this in a few moments, but this had to be the miraculous. Even if the winds came by, there's no way the winds would come by in a natural way and not only deal with parting, actually dividing, splitting the waters, but they would go across on dry land. And as for me, I, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And again, what he's doing there, he's hardening that which is already hard. He's allowing them to go in the direction they want to go and rebelling against him. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and the horsemen. You know, often you hear in, in scriptures about we are to honor God, or in other places they'll say give glory to God. In your, in your life group this week, in your study, you'll, you'll look at some other passages that speak to that. But you know, you know when you think about it, what, what does it mean that God gets glory or that God is honored? And, and really what that means is that God displays who he is and we recognize it and we proclaim it. There are two ways that God has shown himself to be true and real in the parting of the, the Reed Sea or the Red Sea is because God shows him, himself to be just and he shows himself to be merciful. He, he, is, he is just in that he brings judgment to those who are evil and far from him. You know, when you think about the empire of Egypt, uh, it was a wicked, evil empire. When you looked at the acts of Pharaoh, what was he doing? He was really pronouncing infanticide to the the people in Israel. They were to kill every male child that came out of the womb. A whole generation of Israelites would die. And God pronounced judgment upon them. And when we think of the evil in this world, if we could isolate one person as the reason COVID-19 has spread throughout the entire world, we would all cry out judgment for them. And even in the littlest ways, so many of us are crying out, life's not fair, it's not fair. How, how come some people get a check and other people don't get a check? How come some people prosperous during these times and other people are, are, are just being bankrupt during these times? And, and we cry out for justice and, and God shows himself powerfully and that he brings justice and judgment to people far from him doing evil and wickedness. But then also we see God's mercy in that he, he delivers a people that are simply trusting him, not because they deserve it, but because he provides for them. So being prepared, we got to figure out what's the problem. And on a spiritual level, what's the problem? Sometimes we want to go back to our old life because some people are pushing us to go back to the old life. And we got to say, well, what are we going to do with that? And, and then when we think about a plan, what's the plan? The plan is, is not what we can do, but what God can do. And so at times we just have to simply say, Tell ourselves, don't be scared. Do stand firm. Look and see what God does and will do. And, and then very simply, be still and be silent and trust in him. And finally, we need to look at what, what's the purpose. And let's look at that as we look at the rest of the text this morning. As we see God calling us to truly trust him. In verse 21 
We have the account where it says, then, then God stretched out his hand over the sea, and, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and so the waters were divided. And then even earlier before that, God, God came through with them because what he did is he moved the cloud that was there during the day and the pillar of fire by night, and he, he separated the people of, of Israel from the people of, of Egypt, the armies, and and that cloud was so dark that the, the Egyptians could not come until, the, until God had lifted that cloud. And he gave light to the people of Israel in the midst of the, the darkness that was surrounding the Egyptian armies. And, and then God said, Moses, now is the time. And he lifted up his hand and his staff. Verse 22, the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea under the dry land. And, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. And at the morning watch, the, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and, and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He, he caused their chariot wheels to swerve. Some translations say they, they fell off, the wheels fell off. And he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. And they finally came to their citizens and realized, we're not, we're, not just, we're not just pursuing a people that are going to be our labor force in our empire, our country, but we are pursuing a people that have the one and only true God fighting for them. Verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over the chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea turned to its normal state in daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians into the midst of the sea and the waters returned and, and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. Tim Keller speaks about this passage, and he says, you know, when you think about it, uh, as, as, the, as the sea was parted, you wonder, well, what kind of faith did Moses have? Was, was, was he totally convinced, or was he a little nervous when he raised that staff? But even more so, when you think about the Israelites, they were ready to go back to Egypt, and now this sea had parted, and as they looked at the walls of water on both sides, did they, did they walk down that stream, that, 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 that lake that had been parted, did they, they, did they walk by it confidently? Uh, did they sprint? Were they a little unsure? We don't know what the quality of their faith was. Was it filled with conviction or were there still a lot of doubt? But what we do know, they believed enough to follow Moses and go down that path. And really that speaks about God's purpose for us. What he simply wants us to do is to trust him. We might not always have all of our, answers, all of our questions answered. We might not always feel it. But do we trust him enough to obey him? And that's what they did. You know, what is the purpose of God showing up? The purpose of God showing up, uh, very simply, and we find this in the last two verses in Exodus chapter 14. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. You know, 
Why, why has God, God gone through all that he's gone through to, to, to manifest himself? Why did he send Jesus? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did Jesus rise from the dead? Because we, he wanted us to really know who is the one and only true God. And, and what was that purpose? That he might save us. Now, in the time of Exodus, he saved them from the armies of, of Egypt. But as we think about what God wants us, us to experience, he wants to save us from something much bigger than that. He, he wants us to save us from our sin. In Romans 3.23 and 6.23, the Bible says this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. And, and when we turn from God, the only thing we're going to experience from him is separation from him, a spiritual death that will last forever. But he wanted us to save us from that which separates us from him, which is our sin. That which corrupts us, that which destroys us from the inside. That which is evil and wrong. He saves us from sin. But he saves us not only from something, but by something. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved. And so it's, it's not something we do, it's something God does. It's, it's all based on his goodness. He's willing to provide for us what we can't do for ourselves. For we are saved by God's grace, giving us something better than we deserve. You know, the Bible talks a lot about God's goodness. In Psalm 27, 13, just one passage, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. They, they trusted him enough that he was good, that they walked through the, the walls of water on both sides. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we trust him enough that his sacrifice on the cross for our sins is enough for us to be forgiven. We're saved from something, sin. We're saved by something, God's grace. We're saved through something, which is our faith. It's coming to that place in our life where we trust him. We give our life to him and, and believe that he can make that which is not always good, something good, because we're following the one who is good. But we're also saved for something. What is that? It's a relationship with God, and it's for God's glory. You know, the Bible says in John 15, 13, that greater love has no one than this. This is Jesus speaking, that one will lay down his life for his friends. Can you imagine that? God wants to have a friendship relationship with people who trust him. That's why, that's why he rescues us. That's why he saves us, to have a relationship. And it's for us to realize that, that we are to live to his honor and to glory. For, for, for him and from him and through him to, to him are all things. To him be the glory. And so we are called to live a life that honors him, that lives for him, that displays who he is to others. Well, how does that happen? It's, it's by his grace and it's by through faith. And as this account of what God had done in the past, which applies for us in the present and gives us confidence for the future, it's what verse 31 ends with. When Israel came into that experience. The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians receive their just judgment, verse 30. But verse 31 says this, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. You know, what's the purpose of God doing what he does? The purpose, let's just be very simple. The purpose for what God does, what he does, is to save us, to rescue us, to deliver us from our sin, by his grace, through our faith, 
for the purpose of us having a relationship with him and for us to live lives that honor and glorify him. And then it's for us to realize it's simply that we would come to that place where we constantly have a healthy fear of God and we trust him and believe in him. That word for fear is the same one that they had in Exodus 14.10 where they were afraid of the armies around them, surrounding them, coming after them. And now this fear here is a whole different type of fear, though it's the same word for fear. It's that place where we reverence God, we put our trust in God, we realize we're accountable to God. It's not what we think and what we want, it's what He wants, because that's what's really good, and that's what's really best. So as we think about the account of, of being prepared in Exodus chapter 14, as they, as they went out looking for that promised land, and they began to, to realize that life happens, and this shortcut was turning into a, it wasn't a shortcut, it was going down that path God is calling, and they were called to come back because God wanted to display his power and glory. He wanted them to realize there's a problem, is that we sometimes want to go back, if we were honest, to our old life, but God's life is so much better. And, and that he has a plan for us to, to trust him by not being filled with fear, but not being scared by standing firm, by seeing what he can do and being still and knowing that he is God, that he wants to rescue us from our sin through his grace, by his grace, through our faith, trusting in that relationship that will give him glory, fearing him by putting him first and reverencing him and just believing in him that he is good enough. So I leave you with this very simple question this morning. Are you following God's plan? Let's be honest, there's a problem out there, and God has a purpose. But are we following his plan to trust him by being still and knowing that he is God? Let's pray together. Our Father, we we come to this place where we, we want to be honest with you. As they left, the people of Israel, some of them weren't particularly honest with you because they they weren't really sure they wanted to go because they weren't sure what was going to be in their future. And when the trials of life came, they wanted to go backwards rather than forwards. And maybe there's some people here listening today that they're going backwards in their relationship with you rather than forwards. If I just really pray that that you might today call them to, to not be scared of the future, to stand firm, to to see what you will do and just be still and silent and listen for you. And then, Father, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I I just pray that they they might take that first step by admitting their need and turning from their sin, by believing that Jesus, when he went to the cross, died for our sins and rose again, paid the penalty for our sins. And then choose to commit to follow and believe in Jesus as the leader of their life and the forgiver of their sins. Help us, help us to follow your plan. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.